Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. I'm going, oh, well, uh, I'm thinking this. He goes, oh, that will land in with choices. I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so, um, so I was thinking about the choice. It's a choice to believe that God has a plan for your life. It's a choice to believe that because there's so many things that can come along and un- unhinge us, basically. You know, and God is interested in you. He's not just interested in the person sat next to you. He's interested in you. And I want you to say right now, he's interested in me. He's dead right. He is interested in you. He's definitely interested in you. You know, I'm going to be telling you a bit of a a story this morning. And I'm not going to tell you all the story because it is a long story. But there's so many things in this story that we can really pull some gens from for our own lives and my story is along Joseph with his favorite coat that his father made for him as we know Joseph was obviously the favorite son because his father treated him quite differently than his brothers and he favored him with that beautiful beautiful coat that he had made for him It's a little bit like this. Everybody wants to be the favorite in the family, yeah? If I said to Clinton, are you the favorite? He'd say, yeah, you dead right I am. I'm the favorite. But if his brother was here, he'd say, no, I'm the favorite. And I tell you what, if Jimmy Knag was here, he'd say, no, I'm your mother's favorite. We were away in Coolangatta a few weeks ago when we met up with them for it was breakfast, but it went straight through to lunchtime. We moved to different venues and had more coffee. And then, then he starts taking photos and sending them to Clinton and going, I'm with your mum and dad. I'm the one going on the family holiday, not you. So, <laughs> I'm the favourite. And it's a little bit like, you know, uh, you know, they go, you know, your kids go, oh, that's not fair. You know, we all hear that, I'm not fair. But, you know, the favourite for... Um, the, the, the boys, these, these uh, sons, it was so obvious. It's, it's a bit like you allowing one of your children to go to the surf shop and buy his favorite surf outfit. Well, you say to the others, no, you can have just the hand-me-downs. That's not fair. That is showing favoritism. And it says in the Bible that they hated their brother, hated him, absolutely hated him. And his brother had a dream. Do we all know what a sheaf is? If you don't know what a sheaf, because we're not country people, are we? We're not, we're not from farm. Well, I'm not from a farmland anyway. So as we know, harvest time comes and they bind these, uh, the harvest up these sheaves and they bind them together. And so he's saying to them, we all had one of these sheaves, each and every one of us. And all our sheaves stood up but yours bowed down to mine. Imagine that, so typical of you, Joseph, so full of yourself. It's all about you. It's always about you. They really hated him, but he had these dreams and that's what 
he saw. You know, he was about 17 at the time. And it's a great way to get offside with your brothers. But what he didn't know was this, that God was showing him his future. And God prepares us for our future. We have to believe that God has a plan for our lives. And it says in Genesis 37 that he all said, Hey, boys, I had another dream. You want to listen? Come and listen to my dream. They're like, get over yourself. Why are you here about your dreams? We have better dreams than you. He goes, no, 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 hold on. I had a dream and this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. Ah, so you think we're the ones that's going to be bound down to you. Is that what you mean? Is that what you're talking about, Joseph? You mean we're going to be bound to you? Not, no way. It's not happening. We're never going to bow down to you. We hate you. You know, these sons, uh, they were like his stepbrothers really because his father also had other women in his life that they, they were born to them. So they hated him. But one day his, brother, his father said to him, I want you to go to your brothers and I want you to see how they're getting along. Of course, he goes to see his brothers to see how they're getting along. They see him in the distance. They go, let's get him. Here's our chance. Let's get him. Let's kill him. Let's end his life for good. And as he's coming along, Reuben's going, no, 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 no. One of the brothers goes, no, no, no. Let's not kill him. Let's just put him in a pit. So they find a pit and they put him in this big pit. It was one way out of sight, out of mind. But they were planning to murder him. Planning to do away with him. This is not looking like God's plan at the moment. The brothers have made a cruel, cruel choice. And imagine, you know, you read the story, we don't think of much what really went on. But I imagine Jacob didn't go, that's okay, boys, just load me nice and gently in the pit. I imagine there would have been a fight. I imagine they would have torn that tunic off him, ripped it off him. I imagine he would have been kicking and screaming and crying out, but there's no one to hear him. And sometimes in our lives, there's no one that we think can hear us when things are going wrong in our life. We think we're the only ones and nobody is listening. I wonder when Joseph found himself in the pit, what's going on? What did I do wrong? What am I down here for? What did I do? And sometimes we find ourselves in that place going, what did I do? What went wrong? Where were you, God? I can imagine they're saying to to him, where's your daddy now? Where's your daddy gone? He's not going to come and get you. He's not going to come and rescue you. You know, for some of us, when things go wrong, we go, where's my friends gone? Where's my family when I need them? Where are those people that say they'll support me? They're gone. His brother was always going to go back and get him out of the pit, but it was too late. Because they saw some slave traders coming in the distance. And we know that trafficking still goes on in our world today, yeah? People are still sold into slavery. 
And they see them and they start to bargain and they decide to sell him to these slave traders. I can imagine the horror of Joseph as he sees his brothers letting him go and they're binding his hands and they're shackling his feet and they're taking him off and he's shouting back, don't sell me. I don't think he would have been willing. Would you have been willing? Would you want to go? You leave everything behind, never to see your family again. It's not looking like a good plan. And yet God always has a plan. They sell their brother and they get some money and I'm sure they probably just bought ice creams on the way home. I'm sure they had to because really they couldn't rock up and go, look at all the money we've made from your son. They had made a bad choice. They got rid of their brother. And Joseph would have been taken down to Egypt and he would have been tied at the stocks or something like that in the middle of the square. And as we see, we've all seen movies where they check your teeth out. Yeah, see how they're going. And, and he was auctioned off. And he was auctioned off to Potiphar. Meanwhile, the bad brothers made the terrible choice and they had got his cloak and they'd got an animal and they dipped their blood in that tunic and sent it back to his father, knowing that their father would have had a broken heart. His brothers were cruel and his brothers were wicked. But you know what? We've all made terrible choices in life, yeah? We all falter and we all fail because none of us have complete perfection in ours. We are all flawed. And it looked like Joseph's dream was completely derailed, sold off to a foreign land. Whatever was meant for evil, and some things come in our lives that are meant for evil, yeah? We've all had that happen to us. But whatever was meant for evil to destroy Joseph caused the plan of God in Joseph to activate. And we can see the plan of God activate when we go to God. Whatever was meant to take him out. It looked like a derailment. And things in our life can look like a derailment. But we have God on our side. God still has a plan. I might have just shared this briefly before. After my my daughter died, five weeks after, I was with a friend in her house. And she'd also lost a child, a son, five weeks earlier. And she said this to me. She said, you know... We will never, ever, ever get over, the, over this. I'm like, what? She says, we will never, ever, ever get over this. And something rose up inside of me and I said, no, no, no. I can't live like that. I said, I have to believe that somewhere God is going to cause my life to turn a corner. We have to believe that whatever predicament you're in right this morning, you have to believe that this is not your lot in life because you will turn a corner. Because we have a great God. We can come back. But you know it's important we need to put a guard on our mouth because our words carry so much power. I had a friend that I was only talking to the other day and gone to church most of his life, nearly all his life, and 
suddenly just stopped going. And, and he became very sick, very ill. And, and he was telling me about it. And he said, and, and then I got better. And then I had another relapse. And he's got a real thing that's going on in his life. And he said to me, the thing is, I was going to church. And he said, I was critical of everything. I was critical of hearing about the tithing message. I was critical about the music. I was critical because the preaching was for an hour. I could find fault with everything. He said, I was in a mess and didn't know it. But he said, in my sickness and what's happened to me, he said, I actually thank God for it. I said, what? He said, I thank God and I would never change what has happened to me. He says, because it's brought me into a relationship with God. I didn't realize how far I'd gone. And we can go far away from God when we find ourselves in a pit. You can be sat in a pit and don't even know you're there. And we can be captured and enslaved by the enemy. Carried off. You see, God allows things in our lives to get our attention. So he was sold into the house of Potiphar, who happened to be pretty high up. But Potiphar could see that the Lord was with Joseph. You know, the Lord is with us. Whatever place you find yourself sitting in, whatever your struggle, the Lord is with you. He is with you. And it was so obvious to Potiphar there was something about this young man. He had the spirit of the Lord upon him and he made him the overseer of the house and he gave him all authority. I'm telling you, God gives us all authority. Every single one of us gives us authority over all the works of the enemy, over everything that was meant for evil to take us out. God gives us authority. And because of that, the Lord blessed and the household and the fields of Pharaoh. Until one day his time ran out when Potiphar's wife accused him of trying to sleep with her. And that was the end of Joseph's time there. Back to the pit. He was thrown into prison. He'd been enjoying that life. But he was now back in the pit. Just when it looked like The plan of God is starting to happen for me. I'm I'm climbing the ladder. Things are going really, really well. And now the ladder is taken out from underneath me. And I find myself in jail. Not a place he wanted to be. You know, the thing about Joseph, he was really, he's about 17 when he went into captivity. And he would have been a slave or in prison for at least 10 years, something like that a slave at least 10 years and probably in prison for at least four, maybe five, five years, something like that. But the Spirit of the Lord was on Jacob and the Spirit of the Lord is on us. There would have been lots of people in that prison, lots of people suffering in prison, but the difference was between the slaves and Joseph was the Spirit of God. He had favour 
with God. And God was developing and building his character. God has a plan for our life and whatever is going on, he is building your character and he's developing you. It's a choice to believe that God is developing us wherever we are right now in life. But it was a choice. It was his attitude. And we can have an attitude or we can have that where I just hate it here. Or we can surrender to the will of God. It's a choice to do that. But Joseph was in preparation time and God takes us all in preparation time. God is everywhere, even in the midst of our despair, whatever is going on. But you know what? The gift of God operated behind the bars. You see, he had a gift and that was to interpret dreams. And his brother hated him for that. But that gift never stopped even behind the bar. In jail, God was with him in the deepest time. And it says this, the keeper of the prisoner gave him all authority in the prison even because the Lord was with him. It was so obvious. My question is, is the Lord with you wherever you're sitting right now in your life? You've got to believe it. It's a choice. It's a choice to believe that, that the Lord is with us because the Lord made him prosper. And one day God sent in two friends. He sent in the butler, the baker, and the candlestick maker. No, he didn't. He sent in the butler and the baker. Now, the baker was probably sent there because he burnt the buns. And the butler was probably brought there because maybe he didn't get the carriage there on time or maybe it wasn't the right outfit or wasn't the drink wasn't enough in the cup. But anyway, they offended the king and he sends them there. But guess who looks after them and attends them? It is Joseph. And he finds favor everywhere he goes. But they have a dream. And they were so disturbed by, by their dreams. Joseph goes, hey... I'll interpret your dream. So he tells them their dream. And he says to the butler, you'll be out of here. You're getting out. But the baker, uh uh-uh, they're going to hang you. Not nice interpretation really, is it? But that's what he told them. And so the butler gets out of there. And as he's going, Joseph says this, and he's a lot like us. He says, when you go back into Pharaoh's household, can you remember me? Can, can you tell him? I'm, I'm down here. I haven't done anything wrong. I need to get out. He was looking for someone to fix the problem. And often we do that. We're looking to try and fix it in the natural instead of waiting for God to come and lift us out. Because God lifts us out when he's good and ready and he's never late and he's always on time. But a lot of us are trying to fix the problem in the natural instead of going to God for the answers. And so he gets out and, of course, the butler doesn't remember him because he's free. Two years, Joseph continues to stay in the jail. And these guys are gone. One's dead and one is now having his favor and freedom. Until one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And no one can interpret the dream. 
They call all the philosophers, the theologians, the magicians, the wizards, whoever they want to call. They call them all in. No one can interpret Pharaoh's dream. And Pharaoh is getting pretty upset about this. Eventually, the butler goes, <clears throat> I know someone. Put his hand up. And he said, when I was in prison, this guy, this Joseph, he told me a dream that I had and said that I would get out and I would be here. And he also said about the baker that you would hang him and you did. Pharaoh was so impressed. He said, bring this man to me. And so now it was time for Joseph to come out of the pit. You see, it was always on time. And when he gets before the king, he tells the king what his dream means. And he says, king, you're going to have seven years of plenty. Lots and lots of food and crops. It's all going to happen. But seven years after that, there's going to be a terrible, terrible famine that's going to come on the land and people are going to suffer. There's going to be no food. The king is so impressed and he says this. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this, a man in whom is the spirit of God? You see, Pharaoh recognized the spirit of God was on this young man. You remember Pharaoh had other gods, but he could see there was something that he had yet the spirit of Israel upon him, the spirit of God. Because Joseph proceeded to tell him what he thought the king should do to preserve so there would be enough food for the whole of Egypt and how they should go, go about it for 14 years. The king was so impressed. He said, you know what? He said, you shall be over my house because there's no one more discerning and as wise as you. He says, and not only that, all my people shall be ruled according to your word. And only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. He was second in charge next to Pharaoh. From prison to the king. Second in charge. Only God can do that. If we choose to trust the plans of God for our life. And he also, it says this, that Pharaoh took his ring off and he put it on his hand and he gave him a garment. I find it strange that his garment was torn off him and taken it to his father that was blooded. And now he had the most finest garment that was put on by the king. You know, that's how God sees us. He come and clothes us. He clothes us with loving kindness and tender mercy. He clothes us with righteousness and tells us, tells us we are his own. And he says, there's no one like you. There's no one like you. When God looks at you, he says, there's no one like you. I love you. I love you so, so much. It's a beautiful story, isn't it? And he says he rode in the second chariot throughout the streets with Pharaoh. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. He set him over the land of Egypt, people bowing the knee as Joseph went by. And then, of course, the famine hit the land after seven years and the brothers turn up. 
the brother's coming. Let's all lock the doors. <laughs> Your brother's coming to visit. But the brothers were coming. And it's a lot to go into, so I'm not going into it. I'm skipping loads of it. Because really I want to bring out this about it. You know, he plays along with them for a long time because he doesn't really reveal who he is because he knows they're there, he sees them there, he has conversations with them, but he also knows Egyptian. He knows a language they don't know. You know, we have a language too, eh? We have an amazing prayer language. We have a powerful language. There's a language and... He says that he has them before him. And Joseph finds it so hard to contain himself to not tell them who he is. He can't stand it one moment longer. And as they stand in front of them, he starts to cry and he starts to wail and he starts to sob and he's broken his heart. He's, he's vent this up for, what, 12, 14 years of his life and now it comes out gushing like a river. You see, because he loved them. He loved his brothers. And it had taken this, their desperation to need food to come. And now he starts to cry and he says his cries were so loud that the servants and Pharaoh's household heard of it. Such was the wailing. And then he says to them, I'm your brother. Wow. Wow. They wouldn't probably wonder what's he crying about? What's wrong? Is there no food? But then he tells them who he is. You see, Joseph had choices that day when those brothers stood before him. He could kill them. Or he could forgive them and love them and know that it was the plan of God. And he tells them to come near and he says, I am Joseph, your brother, who you sold into Egypt, but do not be grieved. Imagine him saying, do not be grieved or angry. If anybody should be angry, it should be him, yeah? Shouldn't it be us? Shouldn't it be us? Like they did it to us, to me? Isn't it us that should be getting even? But he says, because you sold me, God sent me to preserve your life. And God also sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You know, he's a type of Jesus. He's a type. He, Jesus is our great deliverer. Yeah. Amazing deliverer. He said, now it was not you who sent me here, but God. You know, wherever we are in our life right now, we need to know that God knows where we are. He sees us right where we are right now. It wasn't coincidence. He could have killed them. But instead, he had a heart of mercy that broke for his fellow brothers. Remember, they had hated him and wanted him dead. You know, he brought reconciliation to the household. It's a choice to do that, to bring reconciliation. It's a choice to forgive. Sometimes we can hold up the plan of God for our lives because we refuse to do something. We refuse to let go. We refuse to forgive because we've made it about the situation as going, well, God, what do you say about this? 
Well, God always goes, I want you to forgive. That's always his plan, forgiveness. There's no other plan but forgiveness. There is no other. And that's the picture heart of God towards us. We've all made rotten choices, terrible choices. But if we humble ourselves and choose to forgive, God wants to restore us and reconcile us. Whatever your pit looks like, God is with you. You might not like it. It could be a place where you work and you might not like it. But you need to know that God is with you. Because when we know God is with us, we start to see things differently. We can either see it as a big pit that we hate or we can see, God, you are preparing me. This is my place of preparation. This is my place of preparation for what you want to do next in my life. Because God, it's not about me. It's about others that you love and God, you are building me. And I know this is the truth because I can look back and I've met people over the years that are still in kindergarten. And maybe in their 50s or 60s because they've not allowed God, they've not chose his plan. And sometimes we think God's plan is just, just wonderful and marvellous. No, God will take us through the most deepest, darkest places to get us where he wants us to go. And it's in that time we need to praise him the most. It's in that time we need to thank him the most because he is your only way out. There's no other way out. But God will take us through. See, Joseph was ripped away from the love of a father and went through hell. It wasn't easy. Would you want to swap places with him? You might go, oh, that was a great idea, being second. No, what about all the other stuff? What about the rubbish he's had to go through? What about the pain, the heartache, the misery, the grief had to go through? And God will take us through that. We go, that can't be God. Yes, it is. God allows things to take us through and he gives us strength for the battle in which we find ourselves in. You know, when Jesus died at Calvary, he didn't lose the fight. He won. He went into hell itself and took the keys of death and Hades and set us free. Now, the cross was a story of redemption. It was a story of redeeming man back to himself. The story of Joseph is a story of redemption. It's a story of redeeming his brothers. It was a story of deliverance for a nation. It was a story that man might survive and not die. And Jesus came also that we might not die, but that we live. And it's ours that we need to choose Jesus. You know, we need to make a choice to follow Jesus. His Spirit invites us to follow him. I love the story of Jesus because it is a story of redemption from the manger 
to the cross, from the cross to the grave, from the grave victorious. That was always the plan of God. The plan of God, it was his choice to redeem mankind. And it's our choice that he sets before us to follow him. It's our choice to serve Jesus. It's our choice, no matter how bad, no matter how hard that pit is, know that he's there to rescue you. He comes to our rescue. Amen. I just want to finish with this little bit of scripture this morning. It just says this. It is little. As the musicians come. Romans 10 in the message, verse 11. For the scriptures encourage us with these words. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed. I'm going to read that again. Everyone, you, the person that sat next to you, you will never, ever be disappointed. Everyone who believes in him will never be disappointed if we believe this word, if we believe that he has a plan for our lives. Amen. He has a great plan for our life. You know, I always lose my notes whenever I'm speaking, but that's okay. I'm great at losing notes, but I just want to leave this scripture with you too, which is in Jeremiah. Love Jeremiah 39, 11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil but to give you a future and a hope. Do you believe that this morning? He has your best interest at heart. He gives us a future and he gives us a hope. I'll read it to you in the message. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. He's never going to leave you in that pit. God is preparing you to come out of it. But we just need to trust, make the right choice and trust the plans of God for our life. Yeah? Amen and amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylight Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.